Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Daybreak, the show where fun ideas and occupations come to life. We're your hosts, Pippa Schrader and Bryn Campbell, and today, in our first episode of Season 2, we will share an inspirational quote, interview Erica Berman, a director and playwright who is also the head of Children's Theatre of Madison's Education Branch, and after the announcement break, we will end the episode with a tale of some crazy crystals found in a Mexican cave. Now... Let's get on with the show. This season, instead of doing our usual spotlight on a listener, we're going to present inspiring quotes to brighten your day and get you brainstorming. An actress in many films and winner of two Golden Globes, Sally Field has some wise words about acting. She said, I find that one of the greatest things about acting... You have the opportunity to stand in somebody else's shoes, whether it's someone with mental health problems or someone who lives and works in a small town. Each character faces a dilemma in her life, and as an actor, you're able to step into that character's skin, look through her eyes. You leave transformed a different person, because once you live a little bit of someone's life, it changes you. Now, it's time to talk to someone who has a lot of experience in the arts. I sat down with Erica Berman to talk about her love of theater and how that led her to her wonderful occupation. Hi, Erica. Hi, Pippa. How are you today? I'm doing great. Really happy to be here. Great. Okay, so our first question is, what is your favorite part of your job? So my job is as the director of education at Children's Theater of Madison. Um, And gosh, it's really hard to pick a favorite. I really love so many aspects of my job. I would say that um, watching young people flourish through our programs is really Mm -hmm. exciting. Watch them gain confidence. I love working with our teaching artists. Um, I love the partnerships we have with other companies. Um, Yeah, those are just some of the favorite parts of my job. Nice. So what inspired you to pursue theater and directing? When I was young, I think I was around second grade. Before then, I had taken dance classes and loved them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I, I took a cartooning class and I wasn't really good at it, and my mom suggested I take a theater class instead, and I caught the bug. And so <laughs> through all of my growing up, I did theater. Um, I never really considered doing it as a career necessarily um, until I got to college and um, I had to pick a major and uh, I was really, there was nothing else that would compare with my to learn more about theater. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and through that, directing was part of that. So I went to a liberal arts college and what was great about that was we were really encouraged to learn about many sides of theater. So I took a sound design class. I directed, um, I was in, I did movement pieces. I acted, I did stage combat. So it really set me up to be kind of a jack of all trades in theater and be able to do uh, a variety of different things. Mm -hmm. So what are one of your favorite things to do in the theater? Like, do you like to direct most or do you like to try and do sound design most or what's, what's your favorite thing to do in the theater? Yeah, I think, you know, it's changed through the years. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think when I was young, I was really into acting. Um, I really loved to act and be on stage. And then 
in my 20s, I got my master's in theater education and I was really, uh, really kind of, I, I acted still a little bit, but I stepped way more into directing and uh, especially directing young people, which I love. Um, and then now in my 30s, I've really leaned into playwriting. I'd always mm. done playwriting, but that sort of bubbled to the surface more now. So I think in different times of my life, different um, different aspects of my artistic self have come forward. Yeah. So that's been a really interesting and joyous journey um, to cool. kind of discover all parts of myself as an artist. Yeah, totally. So um, h- how do you make theater inclusive for everyone? What steps can you take? I'm so glad you asked that question, Pippa, because that's a question that's really, really vital to how I do theater. Definitely, Um, uh, For me, inclusivity is a core value of mine and I believe Mm -hmm. of CTMs. Um, And I think first is to recognize and celebrate our differences um, and acknowledge that everyone um, has something to bring to the table, that Mm -hmm. by bringing more... Uh, by being more inclusive and bringing more diverse voices into the theater, we are strengthening ourselves um, and we are um, that everyone has something to give. Mm. So that's sort of a value. And then in terms of how does that value play out um, in the work? So I think there's a lot of ways. I think for me, inclusivity can't be a cherry on top or an afterthought. It has to be woven into the work we already do. Mm. So, um, at CTM, there's many steps we've taken. Um, we do color conscious casting. So we make sure that the racial diversity on our stages matches the racial diversity in our city. Um, or at least takes a step towards that. Um, we recognize that coming to see a theater, coming to see a show is not accessible for everyone, Mm -hmm. both financially or sometimes developmentally. So we have, um, we, we do a lot of wonderful initiatives like our sensory-friendly performances yeah. where we adjust the um, performance um, so that uh, – and adjust the supports around the performance so that um, it's a more tailor-made environment for people who might have developmental disabilities. We do a lot of free programming at Goodman Center and Lucia Center. Um, we've been doing that for years. We have scholarships, um, financial assistance for anyone who needs it on a sliding scale. Um, so those are just some of the ways that um, we make theater inclusive, but it is a journey, right? There's no, um, mm-hmm. there's no checkbox to check. It's a constant questioning and a constant conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're talking about um, excessive perf- or, um, performances that are accessible for everyone. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So you mean a sensory friendly performance? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So our sensory-friendly performances, I like to think of it in three different steps. There's before they get to the theater, outside the theater, and inside the theater. Um, Our goal at the core of it is to give them access to the same high-quality show that anyone else would get, right? That the art remains really um, high and and good quality. So we give them the same good quality show with a lot of additional supports. So mm-hmm. before they come see the show, some of these supports we have are the ticket prices are much lower. Um, it's only mm-hmm. $7 a ticket, which is yeah. a fraction of what we typically charge. Um, we give them a map of the space. Um, we give them what's called a social story. Mm-hmm. And the social story is kind of the story of coming to the theater. So when I come to the theater, this is what I will see. These are the people I will meet. This is where things yeah. are. So it's not um, a surprise when they get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can kind of um, foreshadow it for them. Yeah. 
Um, so that's some of the supports before the theater, before mm. they come. Outside the theater, there are a bunch of supports. We have family-friendly restrooms, so anyone can go in any restroom with anyone else um, should they need. We have a, a relaxation quiet area in case someone needs to regulate if they, um, uh, in case they're um, they're unable to engage with the show and they need to cool down, they can go mm -hmm. to that area. We also have an activity area, so if they want to engage with the show but can't be in the same space, we have the show playing outside and they can... Um, yeah. Yeah, they can play games or, you know, it could be in the background while they kind of um, run about or play activities. Um, and then we also partner with wonderful organizations such as CI Pediatric Therapies and ACT Achieving Collaborative Treatments. Mm -hmm. And those volunteers are at the shows to welcome families, yeah. families. And it's really great because then they see also familiar faces for them. Um, that's outside the theater. And then inside the theater, there's a couple adjustments as well. We have what we call sensory kits. Mm -hmm. Um, and these kits have noise canceling headphones, fidgets of different, differing varieties. Sometimes they'll have snacks in them. And so these sensory kits can be handed out should a student need any of these supports to regulate at any time. So that's something we offer in the theater. Also, um, we keep the house lights at half mm -hmm. so that people can move around freely um, it's not assigned seating, so people can sit wherever they're comfortable yeah. sitting. Um, they can eat in the theater, which is rare. Um, <laughs> and then for our actors, our actors go through a training process. So they go through a training, so they understand what a sensory-friendly performance might look like. And there's an old adage that if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. It doesn't, um, it doesn't look the same in everyone or appear the same in everyone. Mm -hmm. So really honoring that sense of um, diversity within that community. Mm -hmm. So that's what a sensory friendly show looks like. Wow. That's really cool. All the stuff that you've taken, like I bet that really helps. And I mean, that's pretty cool. A lot of other theaters that I've been to, I, I've never heard them doing like really cool, like stuff like that. And that that's like basically the definition of being inclusive. So um, <laughs> how is the coronavirus affected DTM? Big question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, in, in very big ways and then in, um, in, in some sense, there are some things that are still the same. So I mm -hmm. think the way that it's affected CTM was, um, as I'm sure you may have heard, our production of Peter Pan was canceled. Mm -hmm. Um, it was one of the most extraordinary nights of theater I've ever been to because it was the last time that I was in a room with uh, I think there was a cap on 250 people. Um, so it was oh, really yeah. close family friends of, of the cast of CTM. Mm -hmm. um, and we knew what we were going to see was a one-time only. We were going to see this this play um, that was, it was going to be their dress rehearsal opening and closing night. Um, and uh, it was sort of a, a yeah, capsule of time. Since then, we also had to cancel our, cancel our production of Beat Bugs, which mm -hmm. was really devastating. Um, and many of our classes, um, we shifted quickly to offer again, in the spirit of inclusivity, mm -hmm. um, to offer free, um, virtual programs. So right now we yeah. offer every Monday, we do celebrate a story where we pull activities from our study guides, um, which were built for classrooms, but now for the home classroom, yeah. um, parents can do these activities with their students, um, maybe read the book or watch the movie, depending on uh, what story it is and engage with these activities. And then every Thursday, um, we do theater Thursdays, which are pre-recorded um, videos of teaching artists on our staff 
um, who create, yeah, to create, um, you know, 10 to 15 minute um, theater activities Mm -hmm. for students, mainly like K to five, but pretty much a a family friendly vibe. Everyone can participate. And then every other Friday we have game day, which is on Zoom, where we have um, 40 minutes to an hour of playing theater games and doing activities. These are all free of cost, um, although we are taking donations for all of these. Um, We had to um, shift very quickly our Young Playwrights Festival um, Mm -hmm. to be virtual. So that was a really big learning experience for all Mm -hmm. of us. And I'm super proud of the work that all the artists did, that um, the staff did. We had a wonderful team to make it happen. And so, and now that's also online for everyone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We just announced that Summer Stage is going digital, virtual this summer before June 1st. We're still um, figuring out, uh, I'm sorry, before uh, August 1st, everything will be virtual. So Mm -hmm. that's been a big shift. Um, Yeah, so those are the things that have been different. I think the things that are the same is we're still committed to our mission. And every question we ask is, are our new choices in this new normal leaning into the mission, which is to create vibrant theater experiences that educate, engage, and inspire young people in their communities? So even through this time, we're asking, how can we continue to do that? How can we continue to fulfill our mission? Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, let that sink in. It's so cool. I mean, like basically having to shift all of this theater online probably like takes a while, definitely. But then yes, you did it yes. in like a really short time. It must have been a lot of overtime work and very hard work. But yeah, I commend you for that. Um, and you. so um, this sort of just plays off of what you were talking about already. But how can people support CTM? Uh, what a wonderful question. You know, at CTM, we see support in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones that comes to mind first is donations. Yeah. Um, you know, I know all arts organizations are struggling right now. A lot of organizations are struggling. Um, and the arts are something that we as a society are leaning very heavy into, right? We are yeah. all going to Netflix or we mm-hmm. are all, um, you know, listening <laughs> to music. We're leaning into the arts. Yeah. Um, and to ensure that we can come back strong, um, make it through Corona and come back strong after. I think donations is a huge way. Um, but another way to support CTM is, you know, engage in our videos um, uh, to, um, you know, uh, just be a part of the work we're doing. Watch watch the Young Clarets Festival. Um, you know, come take a game day class. Um, I think that's another way to support, to get to know us in a way as well. So those are, those are some of the ways I would say right away to support CTM in this time. Yeah, totally. So did anyone else in your family inspire you to pursue your passion? Oh, well, I, you know, my father, um, who's actually passed away two years ago, um, he was a piano player. Hmm. And so I grew up with sort of music in the house, which was really magical. And my mom was a teacher. So I think in that way, I've sort of, you know, um, you know, kind of melded the two. Uh, Yeah. So they were always really um, encouraging of me and my dreams. But yeah, I would say that um, growing up in a home that really encouraged and supported the arts and saw it as something of value and acknowledged my excitement for and passion for it was really transformational and um yeah so I would say that, yeah my 
my parents, <laughs> especially my dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is this is a pretty, I wouldn't say deep question, but it's a pretty big question. So yeah. how can theater change someone's life? I would say in ways both big and small. For me, theater started out as a hobby and became a career. So it yeah. changed my life in, a, in an enormous way. But some people might take a one-day theater class or try it for a week and then never do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for those, I would say, um, you know, that theater is transformational um, both as an artist and not as an artist. So I would it is such a big question because there's I we could do a whole podcast just on that question. Definitely. <laughs> um, I would say that to be able to empathize with someone who's not like you become, you know, becoming characters that are unlike you is a, is a form of empathy um, to be able to watch, um, see yourself represented in a story is so powerful from an audience perspective. Um, in theater making, I would say collaboration, community building, creative problem solving, you know, we need creative problem solvers right now during this coronavirus. And I think theater makers and people who are engaged with the arts are uniquely qualified to think creatively, think outside the box, come up with interesting solutions. We learn that from improv. So I think, you know, I always say at CTM, you know, there are some people who come through our doors who are going to make this their life's work. And that's phenomenal. And we are here to give them the tools. Mm -hmm. I'm also extremely interested in those who may want to pursue other passions, but Mm, for them, theater provides a creative outlet and also a a form of self-expression and to grow an appreciation for the arts for your life as well. Um, You know, I always have this image of, you know, someone who's like running a bank or something who says, you know, when I was, when I was, 10, I would play Daddy Warbucks in Annie. Here's how yeah. that experience transformed how I look at the world or how I engage with people or how I um, donate to the arts. Um, so I think my, my hope is that every young person um, has some type of experience with theater or the arts, whether it's singing or painting or um, photography or theater. Theater happens to be my passion. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like it, it can transform your life in ways that you you can identify and not. Something I think about a lot is, you know, we ask our students at CTM always to be vulnerable, to try something new. And so I always in my life think, what am I trying that's new? How am I making myself artistically vulnerable? Um, and that has pushed me into new arenas, um, both in my, you know, personal life. I just started running last week. I never ran before nice. in my life. and. That makes me think of theater because I wouldn't have the guts or courage maybe to say, I'm going to try something new, something that I might not be good at. And I'm going to be brave enough to be bad at something for a while. And I think theater, you know, helps strengthen that muscle, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, and then on the other side, artistically, you know, playwriting, having a story in my head and following that story through. And again, the vulnerability of people saying, I like it or I don't like it, or here's how I think it could shift or change. So um, it's, it's a power, theater's a powerful change maker in the lives of hopefully everyone who engages with it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so is there any misconceptions of your job that you'd want to clear up? Oh my goodness. I think, you know, 
I think people say, um, oh, you work at the Children's Theater. That must be fun. And I say, yes, sometimes, <laughs> you know, I think yeah. like anything, um, you know, there are times where my job is super the most fun. Um, and there are times when I'm looking at spreadsheets of budgets and um, times when I need to yeah. um, organize massive amounts of, I don't know, um, people and schedules. And, you know, there's a lot of, yeah. um, there's an art to that too. Um, but yeah, I would say it's sort of half and half when you're a director of education, you have to kind of have um, the the business side mm. and the arts administrative side very present but you also need to have that um, artistically creative and mm. educationally and pedagogically sound part of you also um, engage. So I think it's a real marriage of my types per- <laughs> of my personality. Yeah. Um, so being type A and loving everything sort of you know structured really leans into this side, but also um, having that hunger for creativity and self-expression. Um, you know, I think directors of education sort of marry those two together. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how long do you think it will take the theater industry to recover after this crisis? It's a hard question. <laughs> it is. And I think my answer is, I don't know. I yeah. don't have the answer yet. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, we are in, um, you know, <laughs> everyone always says we're in uncharted territory. We're in unknown times. Right. Um, and that's true. And, um, you know, uh, and we don't know what normal, because we're so in it right now, um, we don't know what normal will look like on the other side. Um, there was a wonderful video from uh, the artistic director of the Guthrie that I would encourage everyone to watch. Yeah. And something he said was that, you know, theater's been around since the ancient Greeks, you know, yeah. that, um, and that it will continue. I think that's the only thing I know in my bones is that if it's been around since the ancient Greeks um, and it survived the Spanish flu and it survived um, television and um, technology and, you know, theater now incorporating technology too. Mm -hmm. um, I think I feel strongly that theater will survive. How will it look on the other side? Um, How long will it take? I don't, those, those things I don't know, but what I do know is that um, people will be hungry for connection in that are that is uh in a way that is not just over technology mm. although thank goodness for technology right yeah. we have conversations yeah. um you know i'm very glad we're not living mm. through the time of the spanish flu definitely <laughs> um, it wasn't as much technology or as much um you know that where we were in our medical journey is different too so mm. um but yeah that that um that that we do we hunger for connection as humans. And that is something that is within all of us. And um, so on the other side of this, um, we will be back and we don't know what that will look like or when, but we will be back. Hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, Who is your favorite actor or actress? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, You know, I think that, (laughs) and this is sort of cheesy, but I'm like, all the young people <laughs> that have come through CTM are my favorite actors and actresses. Yeah. Um, watching young people perform is such a joy and a life-giving thing for me to watch the vulnerability of a student who has never sang in front of a group before, stand on stage in front of 300 people and sing. I get goosebumps right now mm. just thinking about it. Um, that 
the power of that vulnerability. Um, you know, I, so I guess that's sort of my, you know, question. I think in terms of artists that I admire, um, gosh, I mean, there's too many to name. Um, I think I, I really admire any actor, actress who is dedicated to the craft of storytelling mm-hmm. um, over the, um, I don't know, the the pitfalls of, you know, the stereotypical actor of, you know, mm. kind of doing it for the fame or the glory. But I, yeah. I, yeah, I really admire any actor who takes telling stories really seriously. And I've been so fortunate to work with so many wonderful actors and actresses of all ages. And so, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. CTM, CTM youth, those are my favorite actors. <laughs> yes, CTM youth. <laughs> Go all yeah. CTMUs. <laughs> yes, including um, you, Pippa. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, what does success mean to you? Another question for the ages, right? Yeah, I, I try think and... it, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think success is, is an ethereal thing, and I think that it can shift from day to day and moment to moment. I think some, you know, even when where you are doesn't um, change. Some days can feel more successful mm-hmm. than others. Um, and some successes are big and some are small. Yeah. Um, I think there's a hazard in our society to always think if I can just get to this, that's what <laughs> yeah. like, mm-hmm. or, you know, and then once you get there, then you're on your eyes on the next goal. Ah, that is what success will look like. Um, I think also in this COVID-19 success can look really different, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So sometimes just getting up out of bed with a positive attitude and a fresh start to the day can be a success. And in other ways, you know, there are larger successes. Um, You know, I had to recently, um, uh, one of my losses during this was I was accepted to present on the work that I did on Mockingbird, um, which Mm -hmm. was a play we just did at CTM in February about a young girl with autism who loses her brother to a school shooting. And we Mm -hmm. cast a young actor with autism and I was selected to present you know what we did Mm -hmm. um at a national conference that was just so happening to be at the kennedy center and yeah yeah, and that was canceled (laughs) Um, for coronavirus right and so you know i had this moment of like oh my gosh that was my that was my one chance right to present at the kennedy center even though the kennedy center didn't ask me was through this other conference it was a location Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had to redefine it for myself. My, you know, my wonderful husband said, well, you know, for now, who knows what the future might hold. Yeah. So, to not count, so to not count yourself out or to define success as that one moment or ah, if I can only do that or the fact that I didn't get to do that means I'm not successful. Um, I think that um, and it means success means something different to every single person. Mm-hmm. I think I think at my core to me, success looks like being kind to others. Um, success looks like making a positive difference in the world. Um, success looks like trying really hard at something. And even though you might've had multiple failures along the way, persisting. Um, yeah. And, um, and staying true to who you are. So yeah, that's an ever, ever redefining, um, thing, success. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
I love all your philosophies right now. It's just oh, like thanks, Pippa. I love all your questions. Thank they're you. They're bold. They're bold and difficult questions. Yeah. Right. And I think sometimes it's too it's okay to say I don't know. Or the answer I have today might be mm, different, different tomorrow. tomorrow. Um yeah, but I think especially during this time of COVID, these conversations are so rich and um uh, mm. these connections are so important. Definitely. And so I thank you so much for these really vital questions. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for answering them and being able to come. This was so interesting. And I feel like our listeners probably learned so much. I learned, I learned a lot. So I'm so excited to bring this to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's a true honor. Of course. Thanks, Erica. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much to Erica for letting me interview her. Now it's time for the break, but when we get back, co-host Bryn Campbell will tell us about a cave of huge crystals accidentally found in Mexico. Now to the break. Support for this show comes from DNM Graphic Novel Library. DNM Graphic Novel Library is a library subscription service for kids, teens, and maybe even adults, too, who love graphic novels. This is going to be a summer subscription service that costs $7 a month and will be graphic novels delivered to your door every single week. Sounds pretty cool. Make sure to wait for details on this show, so stay tuned. Thanks, and now back to the show. Welcome back to Daybreak. This is your co-host, Bryn Campbell, and this week we have a very interesting story that involves a whole lot of crystals. It all started out when two miners accidentally stumbled upon a crystal cave while exploring a different tunnel. They were amazed by the sight they saw, with all the crystals jutting out from the floor and walls, creating a prismatic effect. The cave is now called the Cave of Crystals. It is 30 feet wide by 90 feet long and is shaped like a horseshoe. The conditions are very hard to work in, so you can't stay in there for long. Temperatures can reach all the way up to 136 degrees Fahrenheit with 90 to 99% humidity. Adding on to that, the cave air is acidic and there are no natural sources of light. This is why it took a year of scientists working in the brutal cave conditions before they figured out what caused the crystals to grow so large. They concluded that this was from the very strange and unusual temperatures of the cave. And scientists hypothesize that these temperatures came from the magma of a volcano that was active 26 million years ago. Juan Manuel from the University of Granada in Spain who has been researching this cave, says that there's no limit to the size a crystal can reach. That is, if the perfect conditions can stay consistent for many years. No wonder this cave is nicknamed the Sistine Chapel of Crystals. This is truly an amazing cave of 50-ton crystals, but make sure to bring something cool because the temperatures are scorching.
so much for listening to this week's episode of Daybreak. We're your hosts, Pippa Schrader and Bryn Campbell. We would like to say a big thank you to Erica Berman for letting us interview her and John Schrader for keeping up with the edits on this week's show. Also, to Sally Field, wherever you are, for that awesome quote, and to Ripley's Believe It or Not for the reference to our news tidbit this week. Make sure to share this podcast with everyone you know and whoever you think would appreciate it. Thanks for listening this week, and until next time, keep calm and quarantine on. Pippa, signing off.